Welcome to the Office 365 Developer Show. I'm your host, Jeremy Fake. The only show focused on Office 365 development, where I talk to the experts from all over the globe coding on the Office 365 platform. For more information on Office 365 development, please visit dev.office.com and follow us on the hashtag Office365Dev. So just the usual regular weekly update here. The uh, first one I want to talk about was we're getting a lot of kind of feedback and excitement about the app launcher and the My Apps now that it's rolled out to first release customers inside Office 365. Uh, we announced it at, in October, or the end of October at TechEd Europe. And um, we've got a bunch of training content out there available on dev.office.com slash training on it. One of the biggest questions was from an end user, how do I go about uh, seeing what apps I've actually consented to uh, from a mobile device or from a website? And there is actually a, a whole MSDN article on this because it's really Azure Active Directory related. It just so happens that Office 365 APIs is one of the authentication flows that can be granted permissions in there and is one of the first with Azure Active Directory and um, it's called the access panel which is available at myapps.microsoft.com now the other way is if you're in Office 365 and you have got first release enabled is by going to the my uh, sorry the my apps page which you get to via the app launcher which is via the app launcher icon in the top left and um, when you're there you'll see all the icons that represent either mobile applications that you've consented or web applications that you've consented will show up as icons there and you can actually remove the ones you don't want to as a user. As an administrator I can go into the Azure Active Directory inside the Azure Management Portal and I can disable or enable users against all applications or simply just remove that application altogether which will mean that when the web app or the mobile app tries to access Azure AD with the client ID in secret that it was using, it won't exist anymore because you would have deleted it from the application registry within Azure Active Directory. So there's a great article there on what the access panel means and over time there'll be some convergence there where we'll start to see um, you know, the one interface rather than a, an access panel and your My Apps page inside Office 365. So some guys I work closely with and their MVPs uh, focused on a kind of SharePoint development, Office 365 development. Scott Hillier has actually written an article for IT Unity around using SharePoint permissions to manage access to SQL data. Um, using some core constructs inside ASP.NET, MVC5 and um, controller classes and it's really neat how he's done that so definitely check that out if you want to try and use the SharePoint permission object model to um, kind of enforce some kind of data model on top of on top of SQL so that's pretty cool. And then in addition to that we had the MVP summit recently where a bunch of MVPs globally flew in and we had a, a bunch here in Redmond that were kind of focused on Office 365 development that we work with and have meetings with engineers and something new we tried out this year which was based on my feedback as an MVP and now being internal at Microsoft was how MVPs can give back and so we did a series of presentations at the summit and one of the presentations that Andrew put together was around how he thinks uh, auto-hosted apps should work in Office 365 uh, he presented like you know what the disadvantages were to the auto-hosted preview that we um, we ended just recently in a, a, and we announced on a blog post. But um, also with recommendations on how that preview could have been improved if uh, we choose to release a new version of that auto-hosted into the Office 365 service. It's great when the MVPs have invested so much time and effort into a presentation like that, that the engineers look at it and go, wow, that was really cool. There was a few things there that we hadn't seen before and it hadn't thought of, and we'll definitely take that back and put that into our documents and share 
updates the documents, etc. And um, it was really exciting, and I think the MVPs got a lot of buzz out of the fact that they felt like they were speaking directly to the engineers and, and got to meet a lot of these people in person. So big thank you for the engineers that were in the room when the presentation happened, but also to all of the MVPs that presented, not just um, Andrew Connell, but Kathy Jew and Mark Anderson and Doug Ware and um, a bunch of other guys got up on stage. And um, it was really good to kind of get it the other way. Rather than MVP summits tend to be a lot about my our team, uh, CJ's team and uh, engineering teams presenting to them. So that was great to get that two-way feedback. And then lastly this week, December 11th, there's going to be a Microsoft Virtual Academy all-day event with Vesa Uvenen, who's flying in from Finland specifically for this, and Steve Walker, who head up the Office Patterns and Practices kind of group um, that's going gangbusters on GitHub right now in terms of code samples to help you if you're a full-trust developer in SharePoint and you want to know how to do that thing in your app model. And um, they're doing six modules that cover a bunch of things around what they've learned from doing this with customers uh, out there in the field. Uh, so they're going to introduce like, what kind of tasks exist in doing that transformation, um, how to do branding in the app model, how to do site collection, site provisioning in the app model, how to kind of customize UX components and modify sites using app techniques, and then using user profile and personalization with the app model. And then they're actually going to take some existing full trust code packages and migrate them to the app model live um, to the audience. So the neat thing about this is they'll actually have a live chat window. So as they're doing this, you'll be able to ask questions. Maybe you, you're doing this at the moment with a customer or you're internal in a dev shop and you want to ask these guys some stuff. Admittedly, they are really good on Yammer answering questions along with the rest of the PMP team like um, Bert and Frank and Schumann and a bunch of other guys. Um, but it's great to have that live audience kind of going and seeing these guys showing off their showing off their skills as they do this stuff. So I'd highly recommend you go and sign up on December 11th, nine till five um, Seattle time. And um, the, the the content's been great so far. We've got four courses up there already, and um, there's some three more or sorry two major courses being recorded in January, along with some other modules for specific areas that have been requested, like Angular JS. And all that content, again, will all be published on github.com slash office dev slash training content. I'm just reviewing a ton of stuff that um, Scott Hillier and Ted Patterson and Andrew Connell have done for me um, around SharePoint uh, training content that they'll be using in that January session. So all the hands-on labs and PowerPoint decks they've submitted as pull requests in GitHub. So that's been my kind of afternoon reviewing that stuff and making sure that they're covering everything that I'm hearing the community want to hear. So if there's certain things you want to hear about, you know, building using SharePoint building blocks in the app model, reach out to me on the Yammer network and um, we can get some discussions going on that. So definitely don't miss that event, December 11th. Right, so with that, let's jump into the show. Karthik, uh, his blog post, I've, I've followed Karthik for a while and um, his most recent activities around AngularJS have been really interesting and I wanted to get his opinions on um, what he's been doing in that space around Office 365 development plus AngularJS. We've obviously had Scott Hillier and Andrew Connell talk about it, but it's nice to get other opinions on this. And I think it's a hot topic uh, for web developers out there. So I hope you enjoy this show and uh, we'll speak to you next week. Okay, so I'm here actually sitting in a hotel room in New York. I've just uh, kind of just finished landing from uh, Orlando where I spoke at the SP Live event and uh, decided to work remotely for the week uh, in preparation for Thanksgiving here in America um, where I'm kind of heading back home uh, to, well, one of my homes to New Jersey with uh, my girlfriend. So I um 
managed to get Karthik on the call to talk about the um, some of this new stuff that he's been posting about on his blog, which is at uh, spbreed.wordpress.com. So uh, thanks very much for joining me over link today. Thanks, Jeremy. It's my pleasure. And um, yeah, I've I've been following you for a while, but h how long have you been blogging in the the SharePoint space for uh, in total? Um, I'm working in SharePoint for past uh, six years or seven years. So I'm I'm I started blogging uh, I think in uh, 2011 or 12. But uh, over the past two years, uh, after I moved to US, I I started to blog more frequently. Yeah, I have I have noticed like you've got a bit of an uptick and. And so you're now based in um, Boston, but how long have you been living in Boston for? I work in Boston. I work for Gre I work as a senior consultant for Greystone Solutions. Uh, it's a Boston-based uh, technology consulting company. But I commute from Rhode Island, Providence. Oh right. Well, how far is that away? It's it's around about sixty miles. So so sometimes I work from home, but mostly I commute to office. Wow. Okay. And um, what? What brought you over? You're, you're from um, in India, right? I'm from Tamil Nadu, southern part of India, if you know. Cool. And uh, so do you go back often or? No, for the past two years I've been here and uh, I moved here in my H1 visa. So I'm planning to stay here for a couple, uh, three or four years. And um, in, in terms of your, your role now, are you primarily working on SharePoint server development or have you found that now some of your customers are asking for more SharePoint online on, online work? So, uh, so I was uh, exclusively working in SharePoint until uh, 2012 but for the past couple of years I have been also involved in uh, uh, moving projects into Azure, uh, forklifts and uh, web API, web role and also SharePoint apps. So my major skill set is SharePoint now I also kind of doing a lot of Azure things as well. Yeah. And so what inspired you to dig deeper into the AngularJS side of it and like what that means in terms of uh, app development with Office 365? So, so with Office 365 and SharePoint 2013 supports most of the web standards such as HTML5, OAuth, app model, all those things. Uh, um, so we were building this app for a particular client which is entirely on AngularJS uh, uh, and which pulls data from a uh, few web services and also from custom build API, web API. Uh, and we want to make this available on Office 365 and we just want to port some of the things. That is where we started with building the SharePoint apps using Angular. Yeah, and I think that's obviously like one of the more flexible things about the new app model is the fact that you can kind of pick whatever web stack you want. Um, what made you pick Angular over some of the other frameworks that were out there? Uh, so uh, coming from the uh, .NET or C-Sharp background, uh, I uh, I mean uh, my our uh, one of the main main important. Uh, uh, are are paying some uh, thing with JavaScript programming or the client side programming is uh, is isolation or if if you create for an example if you create a project in Visual Studio it kinds of it ties uh, most of the functionality such as modularity uh, code debugging and all those things with it but within the client side development or uh, JavaScript development it's it's kind of little complicated so. So we thought of uh, 
frameworks such as amber or uh, backbone kind of things and and the feature in angular js such as uh, dependency injection html templating all those things really uh, fit fitted into our project so we started adopting angular js so so dependency injection is the main thing which which helped us to bring this project to angular yeah and so did you have existing experience with javascript before you jumped into this or was this something you were learning a framework as well as you were learning kind of how to build kind of rich javascript things as well so i was building uh i mean if you started uh branding sharepoint master pages all those things so that was the only experience i was having before building this and uh, I think in 2012 or 13 when the SharePoint app model came through I started learning a lot of this frameworks uh, knockout uh, amber all those things And and what kind of approaches did you take to learn those frameworks what what kind of resources did you use So the thing is with Office 365 and SharePoint supports uh, most of the web standards so uh, it's I mean, if you take any uh, web developer out there, he is very strong in uh, all these things like test-driven development, behavioral development. All all those things are are kind of words there. So we we read, gone through a lot of blogs and uh, training videos from Dan Wallin and and stuff on plural side, and we started with this. How did you come about Protractor then? Was that something? Uh, I personally I hadn't heard of it before. So is that something you've done some research and it seems to be the main library that's getting traction from a testing perspective? Yes, so so the project which we are working, it have a lot of third-party web services and web API, and the nature of this web services, it it the data changes quite a lot, and every time when we make a code change, uh, the business needs to execute a set of tedious test cases before deploying into production. So so we thought uh, automating this is a perfect uh, perfect solution to it, rather than give, calling the business user every time to test a tedious set of test cases. So, so we thought uh, adopting to test-driven framework or behavior-driven framework will give a lot of mileage here. So, so we started with uh, and and we started with Karma. Uh, so we started uh, using Karma for driving our unit tests. So, uh, and bringing up the Karma is pretty easy. You just need to have a Node.js server and use npm to pull down all the resources and you can configure the karma server to listen to your all your source files so when you whenever you one of your source files change this test will be executed automatically and you can also link any any kind of browser wide range of browser maybe ie firefox or chrome from your network and execute this test in in kind of an automatic uh, automatically so so this this is a kind of a test driven development what we were looking for and we adopted this but if we talk about karma karma is just a, a javascript runner which 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 drives your browser it doesn't have inbuilt any browser control or kind of things to to exactly mimic the user experience uh, so so our requirement is we want something uh, which mi- which kind of mimics the exact user experience what what user supposed to do in a production environment uh, and we and we started doing some research on it and we came across this protractor so protractor is an end to end framework which 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 is built on top of selenium uh, selenium is uh, 
uh, again selenium is the uh, helenium uh, have all this browser drivers for individual browser so if you want to test in ie they have a separate driver for it and and these drivers uh, exactly mimic the end user experience so and with both protractor and karma you write the test cases using jasmine so uh, so jasmine is an another uh, behavioral driven development framework which is used to write the test cases for javascript right and so protractor takes those test cases and kind of runs them then is that what the the flow is yes the uh, protractor uh, takes this uh, test cases and it uh, and it kinds of compiles it and pass it to the selenium drivers and selenium drivers uh, send all this uh, test cases or whatever to uh, to the different browsers and it drive it uh, in an uh, automatically and with all of these things where well, I've done web testing in the past I've used the visual studio tooling before to kind of record paths and then replay the paths and I've always found there's been issues depending on the way that I've written my web code has that improved with the way that uh, you're using things like selenium and um, and then obviously then using protractor to run those tests or are you manually writing those tests when you when you create them yes if you uh, the, with the visual studio test professional or test suite uh, still there is no support for javascript testing it it test suite is more preferred for server side testing if you want to do a load testing on on a on a web api or or a database driven application kind of like that with, without much uh, server side i mean client side coding you can do test professional or visual studio test suite but if for for javascript driven application or client side driven application still uh, visual studio doesn't have any any inbuilt browser support or anything like that so is that answer yeah so and in terms of like the timing it takes to i guess build these things out then it, it's quite um it's quite a sophisticated process then if you if you have got to kind of go through and um manually be building those things out so what you uh, to build this uh, selenium i mean selenium or karma kind of framework uh, if you have the infrastructure ready it should be it, it it won't take that much time so for an example if you want to do a sharepoint app testing uh, you just need to install node.js on your windows uh, windows server or windows 8 machine uh, then install node.js on top of it and visual studio already have this node.js project templates uh, baked into it you create the node.js product project and uh, use npm installer to uh, npm installer is uh, similar to nuget so with you can just pull down all the resources from internet and 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 that's it so so writing uh, protractor testing is the uh, time consuming thing and uh, uh, and it, the syntax is simple to understand it it is kind of jquery programming it it have uh, kind of three functions it describe and expect it is the name of the function expect is what are the dom elements you need to test all those things and and jasmine it have uh, i mean all the uh, click events are uh, just like jquery syntax uh, get from id get from con uh, css all those things baked into it so you can just use this to write this test cases pretty quickly
and once you start getting used to this test driven development it, it it should be easier in terms of the way that you work in your team when you're building these tests do you get 100% coverage or are you finding that that there's certain things you just can't cover with the the UI tests and you just have to ignore them or or are you are you pretty confident that the coverage that you're getting so in in our project uh, we we have we kind of covered most of the testing so so my advice would be uh, for covering the unit test cases we use karma so so if you are if you are writing an angular js application and uh, it all the comp individual components of the application such as uh, um, a controller or directives and filters all those things are tested using karma and uh, and and the for integration testing or end to end testing we use protractor and uh, and once uh, so once we on, once we have this uh, kind of the framework the test driven framework ready uh, only thing is uh, the developer needs to go and uh, update this test cases if he, if he is making code changes in five places he just need to make some uh, maybe add uh, two or three extra test cases to their thing and and if it is integrated with your development it should be simple so in our case uh, we don't have uh, any they designated testers for this so it's it's all uh, it's all yeah, developers yeah. here and so unlike managed code where i'm checking in code and it passes the build and then it passes the um, the the unit tests maybe and then it passes the integration tests. Have you got this hooked into your continuous integration as well? Yes, yes, definitely. So, so that is the that is the main idea behind the test driven development. So, so everything is hooked hooked up with the continuous. Uh, I mean, continuous integration process and everything is documented. And and we have this uh, another important thing with Protractor is you can plug in any uh, screenshot or open source libraries to go with this. So for an example, in in the example which I showed in my blog, uh, we, uh, there is a third party library which is to get screenshots of all the uh, failed test cases, and that will be stored in, in your drive from variety of well, browsers. Okay. And that can be shared to anyone whoever doing a review of this continuous improvement or the testing reports. All right. And so, um, when you when you run that, so as your if Protractor changes and whatnot, are you using all those frameworks that are similar to NuGet to update Protractor as well, or is that something you choose to do manually? Yes. Yes. So so in the Node.js world, uh, they have something called npm. NPM is very similar to NuGet. Uh, you just need to give NPM install and give the file name, just like what we do in yeah, NuGet. Yeah, And so that's how you're keeping all those libraries up to date as you're doing part of the continuous build. That's yes. pretty neat. And I also noticed in your YouTube videos, uh, you, what development environment are you using as you're building out these web applications? Actually, in fact, I'm building everything from my Windows 7 machine because it's all SharePoint app. You don't need, uh, I mean, you don't need a server to build it. I have my VM, but currently all the development work, most of my work uh, I'm doing from my own desktop. So I, I have my Windows 7 machine, 8 gigs of, uh, with 8 gigs of RAM and, and Node.js. Uh, 
server installed on it. That's it. Yeah, right. Okay. And with the the way that this is uh, working, is there are they continuing to make improvements to those frameworks? Is there stuff that you're looking forward to that uh, maybe isn't there just yet that you'll benefit from as as the as those frameworks kind of uh, improve and mature? Uh, so, uh, Protractor is again a, a product from Google. So there is a development team sitting there who who just do this thing, just like uh, what they have for Angular JS, and and they are very very active. So when you post some bugs or something there, they will immediately respond and take care of it. And there is a many community. I mean, more and more developers started using this. And so, where can we find out more about what Protractor is and um, what you can do with the, the the test frameworks that sit underneath it? I think there is a Protractor GitHub library under AngularJS. Uh, maybe I can show the share the links at the yeah, end of the yeah. podcast. Yeah, I've just been doing some uh, searching, and I've found the angular.github.io forward slash Protractor, and that. Um, seems to be like on the landing page where it's talking about the fact that you can test like a user and for AngularJS apps and kind of automatically yes waiting. yes and 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 if you just pull down this protector library using npm it kind of it have its own sample project uh, its own configuration files and everything you can run straight away and and it go the main thing with with protector is this can be used to test the live sites uh in case of karma and other things you need to have your uh, testing framework in your development mission to run any of the test cases which means you cannot really test the live site with karma but with protractor you can run any site available out there only thing is it have need to be an angular js based right, site right and then and then in terms of the kit you have installed on your your build you have a separate build machine you're literally just installing Node.js and then the Selenium server and the Selenium web driver and then obviously pulling down the protractor with NPM? Yes, the this NPM will pull down all the Selenium uh, web driver, uh, whatever Selenium web driver you need. for an, uh, So if you need an IE driver, you just need to add a flag to get the IE on the NPM. This will pull down all the whatever drivers you need Right. Okay. to your project. And so the, the syntax that I'm looking at here in the sample, um, in the tutorial for the, writing your first test, looks very similar to what the Selenium, Selenium recorder uh, creates for you. So is that possible to kind of use that then to build out your tests rather than handwriting them all? Uh, I Maybe that I should do some research yeah. on that. I, I did not go get Because one thing that I just in terms of JavaScript not being a compiled language, when you write your unit tests against things, um, obviously it's not good. There's no kind of like validation that your tests are breaking, even from a compilation perspective, is it? It's only going to fail when you actually run the tests. Yes. Yes. Uh, I mean, this is running on top of Node.js server. So if you have any syntax error or anything on your test case, it will, it will give the, all the stack trace out there. Right, but it's not like uh, if I, you know, I'm used to doing my unit tests in C sharp and, you know, Control Shift B, and immediately it's flagging 
that there's compilation issues in the unit tests. That's not something that I'm going to get in my ID when I'm writing my Angular code. Yes, uh, that, that you you cannot get that kind of experience yeah. right now. Um, and and I've seen the word Jasmine a lot, and you know, excuse me for being kind of complete noob here in terms of this approach, but what what what's the Jasmine test framework that Protractor uses? What what's the the idea of that? Is that really just the format of the test the test syntax that you write? So Jasmine is a behavioral driven now. Uh, framework uh, or development framework for writing test cases which means uh, whatever you are you are doing in the browser you uh, if you are going and clicking a particular element in the dom doing a click event or doing a fade event you can exactly mimic those things using this uh, uh, jasmine uh, syntax Th there are uh, there is an another framework called mocha you, you can either write this test cases using jasmine or mocha so this so protractor or karma can understand this jasmine syntax and it it drives the browser uh, using that right okay and when we uh, when you're doing that inside uh, jasmine i mean i guess the kind of things what kind of what would be an example of a, a test that you would write from a user interface perspective So for this uh, for this particular app, we uh, I mean the SharePoint uh, SharePoint hosted app. Uh, this goes to the Web API service, and it uh, based on the user information, it kinds of loads up pre-populated data from the Web API. So first test, we I would ta start with the item count, like how many items the user should log in. Uh, he's supposed to see. He he will get those details, and also when when a user clicks a button or user goes to the next page and what is the title of the page which he is supposed to see and uh, th those kind of things we, you can easily start with all right that. okay and and and, and I, I would also uh, mention there are i mean there are some issues with directly adding this protractor to uh, to sharepoint world because uh, uh, this framework Skirma or Protector is developed only for AngularJS app. But if you started testing this uh, SharePoint app, the the login page, for an example, login.microsoft.microsoftonline.com is not an Angular page. It uh, so so and it the the login page is very heavy and it have a lot of JavaScript on it and few controls are binded together and whatnot. So. So in those cases, uh, you need to use the native browser uh, APIs to drive those things. So I did some tweaks to get around this. You need to wait for a particular time to go to this page. So once you get out of this non-Angular page, then it's all pretty straightforward. And so when you're doing this testing, I'm just looking at your post. I, it's not clear. Are you testing a provider-hosted uh, SharePoint app or a SharePoint-hosted app, or are you just you have a uh, standalone Angular app that you're just calling into the APIs with. This is a SharePoint hosted app, and uh, we can also test the uh, provider hosted app or cloud hosted app with that. So you just need to tweak the uh, login page. So 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 the protect so in Protector you will configure the base URL where the site is supposed to land in. 
and you can give the app URL there and it will directly go to the page to the login.microsoftonline.com. Right, and then you can record entering in the usernames and passwords and stuff. All right, okay. And so the slide deck that you've got online um, is hosted in GitHub IO. I see you've, you've, you've turned to the same way that Andrew Connell's been doing his presentations using Reveal.js. But did have you provided any sample projects of uh, something running that works with a SharePoint hosted app that we could, you know, get our listeners to download and have a crack at yes, running? Yes, so when we started uh, working on the SharePoint hosted app uh, based on AngularJS, uh, initially we had some roadblocks. For an example, uh, if you launch on any app, it have this long URL with a lot of query strings. And the AngularJS app, uh, everything is based on the route uh, you are embedding at the end of the URL. And we thought adding this uh, Angular route at the end of this long URL is, uh, is not a very elegant solution. Uh, and also whenever you are making a, a write calls back to the host web or the app web, you need to pass in the request digest values. And, and these are, these are some things you need to tweak inside AngularJS to make this work. And, and we started researching on it and we found this, uh, uh, Angle, uh, Andrew Gunnell's, uh, uh, sample on, uh, Microsoft patterns and practices and we adopted it. And, and we also realized that this kind of problem would be faced by anyone who just started with AngularJS. Uh, I mean, few of our developers started working on it and, so why not just create a NuGet package out of it? So so we created a NuGet package and uh, it, it is available. So with the, with a single click in your Visual Studio project, you can get all these things added into it, and you can start 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 with that. And with uh, with the Node.js project, uh, I did not uh, create any NuGet package or anything like that because it's it's. It's part of uh, NPM framework. Maybe I should do that in the Yeah, no, that sounds great. Well, um, we'll definitely keep watching out for this. It'd be great to make sure the, the listeners of the show can actually go and, and check out your site. And I'll make sure the links are in the show notes to uh, the slides. And um, you actually have some YouTube videos where you walk through some of this stuff as well, which I think will help uh, the users to understand exactly what you're doing as part of um, the, the Node.js project uh, that you configure and then kind of writing those test specs and then actually getting the thing running end to end with protractor that's great did um is there anything else you like you think would be useful sharing around this topic while while we've got you on the show so uh only thing i want to make clear is if if you are starting with the testing uh, the client side app for for unit testing still the commerce the uh, preferred framework and if you want to do end-to-end testing or integrated testing then uh, uh, Protractor is the is, is our friend there. So, and uh, and being a SharePoint developer, uh, or being a coming from the SharePoint world, it is it is very important for us to kind of uh, start playing with the tools other web developers are having to develop this modern web. App. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think. Uh... You know, for a long time as a SharePoint developer, we've been using ASP.NET, what you know, 2.0 and 3.5, and we've kind of stuck with server-side rendering and dabbled a little bit with JavaScript. But now we have the ability to use things like Angular 
um, in the new app model. I think it's a great opportunity from a career, career development perspective to, to learn these new frameworks and you know be able to compete against other web developers that have probably been in this space for a bit longer where they haven't been tied to particular platforms. And I, I and personally, I would also like to see uh, some more tooling on the Visual Studio to support AngularJS based both on ASP side and also on the SharePoint yeah, app actually, side. Yeah, uh, actually, if I was actually watching a video by Scott Hanselman on the plane from Orlando, it was recording from the Connect event, which is the Visual Studio event that was held in New York, and he showed some of the new kind of features of ASP.NET VNEX and the fact that. That's using a lot of the new open web world stuff as well, which is pretty cool. So I suspect it's definitely on their radar to start moving in that direction. And um, they show some really nice things around using, you know, that the open web version of uh, you get the NPM, the NPN stuff to pull down packages. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with Visual Studio 20, uh, 2015 and and what they add there. So that's uh, I think it's going to be exciting to see how Scott and the teams that are involved in that kind of push that area. Cool. Well, um, thanks very much for coming on the show and for blogging this stuff and sharing all your knowledge that you're you know, working at your company. It's, um, it's great to see that the community are kind of getting behind this and, and, and sharing their learning with everyone else out there. So a big thank you for that. And um, I'll definitely keep in touch with us, see how you're going with this. And if there's anything we can do to help or unblock, just please let me know. Thanks, Jeremy. Sure. Uh, thanks for having no, me. You're here. welcome. Okay. Well, I hope you enjoyed the show, guys, and um, we'll keep going and kind of recording other people from the community on different things they're working on, and hopefully, you find all this stuff really useful. So, thanks again, and enjoy the rest of the show. Thanks again for listening. Make sure you check out dev.office.com for all of your Office 365 developer needs. All the links from the show are in the blog post on blogs.office.com/wacdev, where you can find the latest news about Office 365. If you have any ideas for new shows or questions for us, please join us in our Yammer group in the Office 365 Technical Network. Have a great week, guys, and keep coding on Office 365.